Hey there, everybody, and welcome out. Uh, we have a new season of Redeemed Through His Blood here. I'm Scott Durfee, joined as always by Dave Durfee. How are you, David? Good, Scott. Sweet to to be with you. Yeah, it's... We're, we're sitting here in your, your basement where you broadcast, uh, where you do your work on investment television and... Yeah. And uh, your sweetheart, Deborah has resupplied the M&M jar. I'm really thankful for that. We'll see if that uh, jar lasts this, this entire season. <laughs> I, I doubt that it will. Uh, Deb, big jar. Deb keeps David uh, stocked in his pe- peanut and yeah, M&M's. M&M peanuts. Uh, every once in a while, my grandkids will come down here and steal a handful yeah, or gotta, two. I'm going to start hiding them. Yeah. Or we can just keep buying more. <laughs> that works too. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome out. This is our third season of Redeemed Through His Blood. And uh, for that reason, we're going to do a little bit of an introduction, not just of the course uh, today, but of ourselves. Uh, we know that uh, there are many of you who have been with us and listening to us through the entirety of our three seasons. Um, and, and we thank you for that. Uh, you know, we are. We are in currently in over, I, I think, over 35 or 40 countries, the minimum of 35 countries, some of them um, China, mainland China, Pakistan, Egypt, uh, many others throughout the Middle East and all over the world. And you know, a special welcome to all of you who are uh, outside of the borders of the United States. We really appreciate your participation here. A couple of things that you should know. One is we do have an email address and encourage your participation with us. Uh, we love to entertain your questions. We answer them either on uh, the podcast here, sometimes privately just by uh, responding to your email uh, if they're sensitive in nature, uh, etc. So you can do that. Our email address is us at gmail.com. That's us at gmail.com. We have, in fact, we have a, a couple of um, emails that have come to us recently, and the timing couldn't be more perfect. Yeah, and, I love those. Yeah, uh, yeah, we uh, we'll get to yeah, those in a. Some really great questions, and I'm I'm, you know, we're both tempted to answer them right now because they're so <laughs> that's so true. great questions. That is and, true and uh, important questions, but we'll 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 definitely fit them in the course and and uh, restrain ourselves. Right. We uh, we try and let you know when that's going to happen so that you won't be caught unawares. And uh, just so you know, too, in, in most and probably all cases, we'll use an alias rather than your name to uh, kind of protect you from whatever. But uh, so, uh, Dave, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what we do here, why we do it. Uh, I think uh, it it's probably um, maybe best if you... Uh, want to give us a little synopsis of the course, and then maybe we can move into some uh, personal introductions. Uh, maybe as you're doing the synopsis, you can do your personal introduction, and then I'll do mine, and we'll talk about okay. why the course, why it was developed, and, and all of that. And then we'll get into uh, episode number one, um, which will be a really great, important uh, topic today as we talk about the plan of salvation and the plan of redemption. So... Yeah, and how they're how they're a little different. Yeah, those titles are different. Well, thank you, Scott. Uh, yeah, so this uh, this is a course. I I hope uh, our listeners can kind of stick it out and uh, go through the whole course. Uh, it's this is a podcast that is not uh, you know kind of uh, all over the place or doing different. Uh, I mean, our objective. 
our objective is to teach an institute course and to have a discussion between ourselves. This course was a result of priesthood leaders uh, coming coming to me and and other leaders at the Institute of Religion at uh, Utah Valley University and and uh, seeking out, reaching out for help to uh, help their young adult members in their stakes. These are young adult stake presidents and bishops who are looking for help in a course to help their members to repent. And uh, so I was asked to develop that course and and uh, was grateful for the opportunity and submitted it to Salt Lake City. And I was going to title it, I actually did title it, The Infinite Atonement. And about that same time, <laughs> that's when uh, a book came out by that same title. And we weren't going to use the book in the course. So they said, you need to come up with a different name. And I finally called it uh, Repentance and Forgiveness. So I, w- I would have loved to have called it Accessing the Atonement of Jesus Christ, but but uh, that's what the course is really about, Scott, is how can we access the Atonement of Jesus Christ and, and uh, make Him more the center of our life and tap into the power of His Atonement. That's, uh, that's how the course kind of came about. It was approved by Salt Lake. Uh, we taught it for, I taught it uh, off and on. There are a few other teachers who also taught it at the Institute of Religion. And and uh, then, uh, and we'll probably just not say too much about this now, but maybe later. Uh, Elder Anderson became aware of it. He and I became acquainted, and we, we worked together over a period of several months, actually about a year and a half, and and uh, he wrote a book called The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. And that book has become now the student manual for the course. And Elder, Elder Anderson is so pleased with the, with the success that uh, the book has been translated in different languages. And it has become now a worldwide institute of religion course. And, um, and that's the title of the uh, religion course now. It, it's entitled uh, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think it's been a well-received course. One of the administrators told me not long ago it's the, one of the most popular courses in Institute uh, worldwide. And I'm, I'm really grateful for for what it has become. And I, I just think it was the timing. It wasn't me. I'm not uh, really taking any credit for this. It's, it's just, there was just such a need for it. And, uh, all, and also the prophets emphasis of it, the timing, uh, president Nelson, you know, his emphasis on repenting right. daily and, yeah. and finding all the joy. emphasis that he's been putting on, right. The joy of repentance. And so it just, uh, things just kind of came together. And um, it's been a joy to be involved in that now that I'm retired. It's amazing that we have the power of the Internet to be able to now teach this course uh, beyond Institute to youth, young adults, adults, uh, throughout Mem- the world. Members, non-members of our church. It's amazing. Cetera, I know yeah. we get a lot of positive feedback, and my first motivation in doing this really was to have a an opportunity to teach the course to my entire family, my children, 
children in law, grandchildren. Yeah, me too. You know, yeah. I, I just, I kind of just wanted to leave a digital record of the course to my family. But we have received positive feedback so much from bishops, priesthood leaders, and others who are trying to uh, work out their salvation and learn how to rely more on Jesus Christ than maybe they have in the past and uh, qualify and claim the blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ in their life. So that's uh, that's what the Course is really about, and and uh, we'll start out kind of talking about uh, who we are and whose we are, and and then we'll talk about uh, the creation, the fall, the atonement. We'll talk about the, how to access the atonement through the doctrine of Christ, uh, faith in Christ, and faith in the name of Christ, and the difference between those two. And um, we'll talk about repentance. We'll go through the, the, the process of repentance, the uh, four different aspects of repentance, as, as I see it. And, and uh, then we'll talk about how to receive the Holy Ghost and how the Holy Ghost is the administrator, ultimately, of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life and how we endure to the end through ordinances and, and covenants. So we'll talk about the doctrine of Christ and I think that'll cover really the doctrine of Christ covers about half this course, right? Yeah. So I think that's where we're kind of yeah. going, Scott. And yeah. This will be the third time I think that we've done it. <laughs> sure will be. And uh, it's been a couple of years, and hasn't it? Yeah, I think it has. Yeah, it's been a, a year couple and a half. Of, yeah, at least a year and a half. I mean, getting close to two years since. Uh, since we first started that, you know, David's leaving a few things out. I'm just going to add those for you. David is an acting patriarch. Uh, we'll get some really cool perspective from him throughout the course from that vantage point, because that is a unique vantage point, uh, one that uh, very, very few uh, of us have. And, and so that'll be that'll be that'll pay great dividends as we go throughout the course as well. In addition to that, he has recently been called to be a sealer in the uh, um, Saratoga, Springs. Saratoga Springs Temple, uh, just recently dedicated, uh, one of the uh, sealers there now, and I, I know he's loving his work there, and those that uh, live uh, ordinances that he's able to perform are uh, being absolutely loved by those that are participating in that as well. So, Well, that's all, all pretty humbling, Scott, because, you know, when I, when I uh, work in the temple and I, in performing the ordinance of sealing and you say something like to the effect, um, because of the authority vested in me through the virtue of the Holy Priest. And I, whenever I say that, I know that yeah. it's not me. It's not because of me. It's because of the authority vested in me, which I received from President Russell M. Nelson through the temple president of the Saratoga Springs, Utah Temple. It's it's kind of interesting, Scott, how you're called and set apart as a sealer because the temple presidents or whoever calls sealers and whoever sets them apart does so under the direct direction of President Russell M. Nelson. In fact, uh, in my setting apart, you know, it's it's it was clear that it was under his hand and under his direction that I was being 
set apart. It was it was through his keys, by his keys, under the direction of his keys. So that's all pretty humbling, and I I'm just grateful to be a to be a part of that and to feel the power, that sealing power. Yeah. And and you know you know what is interesting about that, Scott. I'll probably say more about this later. And I'm I'm pretty new to it, right? I've I've only done it now for a few months, and um, it's changed it's changed me. It, it's changed my heart in many ways. I mean, I've I'm I'm really seeing and realizing, to some effect, the promises that President Nelson gives all the members of the church about their frequent attendance and the blessings that's available to them by participating in temple ordinances. But I'm there, you know, twice a week for about five hours uh, each day. On well, on Thursdays and Fridays, I'm there for about five hours, and just it's it's changing my heart and my perspective. It's it's ultimately changing my character, uh, and I it's nothing really that I'm doing other than being there and per- participating in these ordinances. There's something about that, Scott, that is fundamentally changing me and i i just testify of those promises that our prophet has given us yeah and i love that it, but you know what it, it, it is humbling and and you know i recognize i mean i've known you all my life you've known me all my life <laughs> and uh, you know to uh, but but david it what it does i know that this isn't about you i know that i know that it's not because of you uh, that uh, you know these things happen etc obviously you need to qualify obviously the lord has called you but what it does for us is it gives us a perspective i mean you bring a perspective to the table as we have these discussions that will give us uh, you know enlightenment or light into things that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise. And so we appreciate that about you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's Dave. Um, For me, I bring it a little bit different perspective here. Uh, I grew up in the church. I served a mission, loved my mission. I don't remember a time ever when I didn't have a testimony of the gospel. However, having a testimony of the gospel isn't always enough. And you think it should be. And in many ways, I think we can maybe get into semantics. Maybe in many ways it is enough. But for me, I I, uh, I wandered. Uh, when I came home off my mission, shortly there, thereafter, I, I engaged again uh, back into some bad behaviors, some bad habits uh, that eventually uh, turned from habit to ism. Uh, and so I, uh, a habit of drinking alcohol and participating in, you know, drug use and various things like that led to uh, alcoholism in my life. Uh, that uh, alcoholism has been put at bay through, through the atonement of Jesus Christ, through the effects, through Jesus Christ's power and the effects that come to us through that, through the atonement, uh, through his atonement. And we'll talk about that uh, probably each week as we go, uh, that perspective that I have. But I, I have, uh, I've returned uh, 25 years uh, sober uh, in a week from tomorrow. And, wow. and uh, you know, that's going to be, that's a, tomorrow. that's a big day for me. You know, that's a, that's a very important milestone. It's something that I participate in actively and have for the last 25 years and anticipate doing it uh, for the rest of my life. Um, 
in addition to other things uh, that are spiritual in nature, not the least of which is my own taking upon me the name of Jesus Christ through my own ordinances and through my own participation in that. I, I, uh, I serve in my ward. I have uh, had the experience of having my membership lifted and then being rebaptized many years ago. As a matter of fact, my oldest son uh, was uh, waiting to go to his mission in Michigan. And uh, when I was uh, rebaptized, I was actually the first baptism he performed. And uh, that was uh, kind of a special, ex- that? that was a really special experience. We talk about some of those things. And so our perspectives, though they come from different um, perspectives, different vantage points, I should say, our perspectives have come together. And I, I, I uh, really see Dave not just as an uncle or a, a kind of a quasi big brother in my life. He's only a few years older than me. And I'm the oldest in my family. He's the youngest in his. He and my dad are brothers. And uh, so Dave's kind of a more like a, a big brother than an uncle, but uh, even more than that, uh, he's been just a great spiritual mentor and continues to be for me. And I think you'll find that to be true for you, too. Well, I think you're being kind of modest, too. You're, you're uh, Elders Quorum president. You have keys. I don't have any keys. The priesthood, but you do. And... Um, as an elders quorum president, Scott, which you've served for how long? Uh, it's been three. It'll be three years in January. Three years, yeah. and then you sponsor how many people? In uh, yeah, quite a few addiction recovery yeah. programs. Yeah, I have. And I kind of look to you as a role model because of all of the service and work you do, Scott, uh, to help individuals. I mean, you've helped members of my own family, and. Uh, I'm just personally grateful for you, and you're such an example and model of just serving individuals and supporting individuals and strengthening individuals. I mean, you're a a savior-type figure when it comes to that, I think. So thank you. Well, thanks for saying that. That, uh, That means a lot to me. One of the uh, great blessings that uh, I have received uh, because of my recovery is a beautiful, wonderful wife and eternal companion, uh, one that I look forward to seeing every day. Uh, we're not just uh, in love, but we are in like. We really like each other. We really have a lot of fun. And I actually met her in the rooms of recovery. Deb's our primary president in our ward. But uh, you know what's really cool is Deb and I, Uh, have been able to, and still do, we teach, in fact, we will be tonight, every Wednesday night, uh, we teach this course to uh, members of uh, Brigham Young University Stake. Uh, We have uh, over 100 kids each week that come, and uh, I shouldn't say kids. For those of you who are listening, they're in the class, I apologize, but (laughs) young men and young women who uh, come to our class each week and uh, are absolutely loving the transformation that they're experiencing also as part of this course. So I think that's enough, Dave, of the uh, uh, kind of the... uh, synopsis and our, our own introductions they'll get to know us better as we go throughout the uh, the uh, course or the yeah the course of the podcast even but you know one of the things uh, you know I think that uh, maybe we could uh, focus on just a little bit uh, you talked about how um, 
when as you were at the institute at the university, excuse me, at Utah Valley University, you had just returned recently from being a I don't know what you call it area director, area director out in the Midwest, out in the Midwest. Dave was there for several states, seventeen years. Were you there something long? Thirteen, thirteen years. He was there for thirteen years and then came here, developed that. Dave, why don't you talk just a little bit more about the experience of the development of the course, and then we'll move right in. Well. Scott, you know, there are so many um, priesthood leaders, you know, who get, when they're young adult leaders in the church, uh, bishops, stake presidents, and um, there were just uh, so many who needed help with, uh, how do I understand repentance? And they were trying to use the Miracle of Forgiveness book written by Spencer W. Kimball that was written back in the the 60s. at the time of a sexual revolution and uh you know and he that was it just was rather harsh for some of them and so they were looking for some assistance on how do how can we better teach the principles of uh, repentance so that's that's kind of how it started but before you can talk about repentance scott you you have to talk you have to understand the plan of redemption right you have to understand uh, the whole plan and and the role that repentance plays in that plan. And so, as I as I kind of I remember kind of outlining it, Scott, and talking about you know why the course and uh, and I put that I put the plan of redemption actually under the why because it all comes back to the plan of redemption. And then I talked about the problem, and the problem is uh, the fall. We're all sinners. We're all human. We're, we're all, we all come up short. Man can merit nothing of himself. We're going to probably do, what, two or three podcasts on the fall. And so that's the problem. We're in a hole. Mm-hmm. And then the solution, I remember outlining, so it was kind of the plan of redemption and who are we. Then the problem and kind of where we're at and our unworthiness, as King Benjamin puts it. And uh, and then after the problem, then I put down, and the solution. And the solution is, of course, the atonement of Jesus Christ. And uh, we'll probably spend four or five, <laughs> I think, podcasts on... Uh, deeper, trying to have come to a deeper understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And then I put down, and how do we access the atonement? So uh, that that was kind of the, the, I think, the four major points, Scott, was who are we, the plan of redemption? Really, what's the problem? What's the solution? And then how do we access yeah. that? Yeah. And then I, I think some of the bigger things, really, Scott, I remember when Elder Anderson asked me to send me all, all my material uh, on the course. He wanted all my quotes, uh, everything that I used in the course. And uh, when I sent that to him, uh, he said, so what, are, what do you think are some of the more important points? And uh, I, I, I thought a lot about that. It was a great question. And I, I, uh, I sent him back saying, you know, we really have to know who we are and whose we are. We have to really understand that um, 
we are fallen, we are lost, we are carnal, sensual, and devilish, and that we are fallen. Because if you don't understand the fall, then there's no need for an atonement. If if a person doesn't know they're hungry, hungry then there, there's no need for food. And uh, then I said, and, the, and then one of the real keys was, was uh, the power of faith, that faith is the faith in Jesus Christ and faith in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the power that drives repentance and forgiveness. That was a real key that I had learned teaching that course for 10 years. And another one is the role of the Holy Ghost in administering the power of Christ through his atonement in our life. And I sent him uh, those keys, and uh, I just think those are uh, keys, key parts of this course that, that uh, will be, become pretty obvious uh, to our listeners. I listened yesterday to a, a talk. You sent it to me, uh, Elder Bruce R. McConkie. Um, great, great talk, Pillars of Eternity. And he talks about how the fall is the father of Christ's atonement mm-hmm. because of that. And, we, and then he also talks about how the fall is also the father, I mean, excuse me, the child of the creation. And mm-hmm. so the creation necessitated the fall. Right. The fall necessitated the atonement. Of Jesus Christ. The atonement of Jesus Christ is necessary for us to keep the commitments that we made to Heavenly Father when we came here and left the preexistence that we, we would return. That's necessary for us. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the plan of redemption, the plan of salvation, and uh, and uh, all that it entails. Yes, yeah, awesome. Well, it, you know, when you use that term, the plan of salvation, people maybe think of different things. I, th- I think maybe the, uh, the older generation... They they probably think of uh, uh, pr- uh, who am I, why am I here, where am I going? where am I going? Uh, Richard L. Evans, that's uh, Richard L. Evans in the search for happiness, uh, film and video strip and everything that was used anciently. You know when I was a missionary. <laughs> Me too. I think I have that thing memorized. We had a big sixteen millimeter projector. Yeah, we would carry right. Now they're doing them on iPads. Right. right? Yeah. Anyway, I think the older generation, when they, they hear the term plan of salvation, that's immediately what they think of, is who am I, why am I here, where am I going? And, and that's true, right? Uh, it, it does talk, you know, the plan of salvation is about, definitely uh, affects our pre-mortal life, our mortality, and our post-mortal life. And that's one way people can, can think of it. Then Elder McConkie... Um, he really enlightened us when he when he talked about those those three pillars, and uh, got more specific that the three pillars upon which the salvation and redemption of mankind rests are th- that there had to be a creation and a creator. There had to be a fall, and there has to be an atonement, and so that. That's how I kind of think of it more, I think, now, Scott, is when I think of the plan of salvation or plan of redemption, I think of those three elements. But it definitely includes, it. all of that is part of who we are and why we're here and, and where we're going and how we get there. So that's, that's, I think, what it is. That's how people at least think of it. It's interesting that the Bible never uses the word plan, Scott, the word plan 
is not even in the Bible. Now, now there may be a, a practical reason for that, which I don't know what it would be. Maybe there's not a Hebrew word or a Greek word, or I don't know. But, but the fact is, the, the word plan does not appear not one time in the Bible. Maybe it's because it, it's been lost. I don't know. I, I, I haven't had time to research this, actually, and I, I haven't heard anybody say whether the prophet Joseph Smith in doing the JST, Joseph Smith translation, if uh, the word plan was ever, you know, put back in, or if if it was if he was inspired to include that word, I do know that the word covenant appears a lot more times now. Uh, in fact, you know, Satan is never Satan never really comes up in the Old Testament, but uh, he's lots of times in Genesis referred to in which we call now the Book of Moses, which is the uh, the Joseph Smith translation of Genesis 1 through 6. Satan's talked about quite a bit there. Anyway, I, I think it's really one of the great gems of the Restoration, one of the great treasures of the Restoration, that we know God had a plan. And it is specifically referenced many times, multiple times, in the scriptures. Uh, in fact, um, oh, I used to know the number, but I think it's about 40 times. It's got the word plan, referring to the plan of God, is, is used in the Book of Mormon, and multiple times also in the, in the, in the uh, Doctrine and Covenants. And it's interesting that while I think most of the time in our LDS literature, we refer to the plan of salvation... The Book of Mormon prophets prefer, just by evidence of how many times they use the term, they prefer to use the title plan of redemption. It's kind of become my favorite way to think of it as well, because I think there's a little bit more to it. The plan of redemption versus, versus the plan of salvation. Versus the plan of salvation. I, I think though, before we before because I, I can't wait to talk about that. But I think before we do, I think it's really important, David, that we talk about whose plan it really is. Right. Yeah. Thank you. I, I mean, you know, we 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 say Heavenly Father's plan, and then sometimes we just default to think, well, it was Jesus's atonement or the atonement of Jesus Christ, and and so is it Jesus's plan? Is it Heavenly Father's plan? Is uh, is the plan developing and changing based on uh, mortal behaviors? Uh, is it the it, the same from the beginning to the end? Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll talk about the difference. Well, again, between. the older generation, I think, was a little confused about that because of certain things, movies, uh, what was it called, Saturday's Warrior, <laughs> uh, Saturday's Warrior when it came out. It, it, it just didn't have it right. It wasn't accurate. Scott, they they showed uh, Satan on one hand saying, I have a plan. I can kind yep. of hear the music in Me too. the background, but yeah. I can't carry a tune or I'd sing it. And he says, I have a plan. That's Satan. And Jesus say, I have a plan. And they're kind of going back and forth. In fact, I, I think actually Satan said, I have a plan that is better for man. In the, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Yeah. And then it's 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 the savior steps in and says no I have a better I have a I have a plan. It was like a debate. 
Yeah, it was like it was a debate. <laughs> yeah. That's not the way it happened. That <laughs> just is not accurate. And yet that's the way it was portrayed. And I think many of the older generation, they believe that they still believe it. So it it it's not the way it happened in the pre well, that was It's that. the father's plan. Yeah, is the same plan he followed. It, when that's how he became a god. It was it was one perfect plan. And the council in the pre mortal existence is this grand council of heaven that we participated in. We all knew this was the plan of the father. The father. Exactly. Elohim. And then a rebellion broke out. Right. And because Jesus said, here am I, send me. And and then Satan volunteered and says, hey, I got a better idea. You know, I'll, uh, I won't lose anybody. I'll, and we'll talk more about this maybe when we talk about the pre-mortal existence next week, I think, Scott, or in, in the coming soon, weeks. In yeah. The coming weeks. Right. Yeah. But uh, he wasn't going to lose anybody, and uh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was chosen by the Father, being the the oldest, being the eldest, and um, being the most humble, and being willing to carry out the Father's plan, and uh, exactly being so so humble and meek, and wanting to fulfill the will of the Father. But Satan thought he had a better idea. Joseph Smith said this, that Satan became the devil or uh, Lucifer became the devil because he sought excellence because of his pride, because he was not chosen, and because he, his plan obviously was not better than the plan of the Father, that there, there was a rebellion and there was a war that broke out. And, and we'll talk more about that. But the... But the important point here is it's the Father's plan, and the Savior said he would do it according to the will and the way and the word of the Father. That's right. And Satan said, I got a better way, you know, and it, I'm a better person to do it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you follow me, and uh, there would be no accountability, and uh, none of that would have worked anyway. And it, like you said, we'll get into that uh, yeah. in subsequent uh, episodes. But I, it's really important that we understand that, that this is the Father's plan, that the plan is not changing. The plan is the same today as it was in the preexistence. Uh, it's, From the foundation of the world and the worlds before that. And, and the plan didn't change because of the fall. Right. of Adam and Eve, and we'll, we'll, when we talk about the fall, we'll discuss that, and we'll, we'll actually become very thankful for the fall when we understand it uh, more fully than we maybe do right now. Right. Uh, but, but, you know, to understand that it is actually the Father's plan, uh, and if we understand that, now let's talk about why that's important. You know, it's important for me to understand that it's the Father's plan. So if this is the Father's plan, and part of the Father's plan is iniquity, uh, part of, uh, that, that there will be iniquity as mortals, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, not that, you know, he, he condones that or anything, but it is part of the plan. Uh, the uh, transgression, uh, maybe um, struggles in life that we have, maybe um, things along the lines of depressions and anxieties, maybe things along the lines of addictions, etc. Now, it, it wasn't Heavenly Father's desire that we would participate in those things, but because of the plan, and the plan includes the fall, those things become part of our natural manness, for example. 
and as we participate in life, uh, then we, we then begin to recognize the necessity of Jesus's atonement in our lives as part of our repentance process. We'll go through all of that uh, in subsequent uh, episodes as well. But important to understand that the plan of redemption, even the plan of salvation, and we'll differentiate those, but those plans and that plan is our Heavenly Father's plan, and it's not changing. It's been that way from the foundation of the earth. Well, the reason it's so important too, Scott, is because that's the way the Father became our Father. I, I mean, we our mind can't comprehend eternity. Our mind cannot comprehend, comprehend infinity. But uh, that's how God became God, was through this perfect plan. And His desire... I, you know, you said it wasn't his desire for us to experience those things, and that, that that may be true, but he also knew that we would and that it was critical that we would, that there would be opposition, that we would have trials, that we would have adversity, that there would be struggle, because he knew that that's the only way we could become like him. Right. Ultimately, the plan helps us to become, he wants us to have all that he has. He wants us to become like he is. And Scott, that does not mean we will ever be equal. He will always be our father. We will always be his children. There will always be a hierarchy there. But he wants us to have what he has, to know what he knows, to have the joys that he has, and to experience what he experienced. The great truth, as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. Lorenzo Snow, that, that couplet, I think uh, pretty, pretty well in some ways sums up the plan. And, and that was his desire. More than anything else, that was his desire. And he knew that we could. there was only one way for us to do that. And that is, as you say, through the fall and through providing a Savior. There is no plan B, by the way. I, I, I used to get that question yeah. a lot from students, Scott. Well, what if Jesus wouldn't have done that? Or, or what if Satan would have won the war? Or what, what if, what if, what if? There was no plan B. The Father knows all things from beginning to end. There is no past or future. There was not going to be any plan B. This is the plan this is according to uh, a perfect, sovereign God. This is the way it is. This is the way it was always going to be. And this is the way it, was, it will always be. And hopefully, we make the most of what the Father has offered us in order to fulfill the plan and to become like him. And, and so because of that, we shouldn't be surprised when we struggle in this life, even with sin, even with habits, even with whatever. You know, It's I, part of the plan that we struggle with sin. I, I had a, 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 an experience to speak with a young man this week uh, who's struggling with an addiction, uh, and, it's, and it's really, really troubling to him. You know, and he, tell, he, he said to me, but Scott... Um, I, I struggle with this, and I've been struggling with it for all my life. Uh, I've talked to every bishop I've had. I've talked to every mission president I've had about this same problem. Well, welcome to the plan, 
right? Welcome <laughs> to the problem of uh, mortality. Um, but there's a solution for that. And as we focus and, and learn to point our focus away from our own self and, and quit relying on ourself to enact the plan of salvation or the plan of redemption or even the plan of salvation in our own behalf, and we learn to point our focus on Jesus Christ uh, to enact that or to enable that in our lives, then we realize that I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive. For you, it's to forgive all men. And I will forgive them as many times as they repent. Yeah. And as, they, as many times as they come unto me and make an effort to take upon them the name of my son. Yeah. Well, the truth is, Scott, that a lot of our, a lot of our trials, a lot of our adversities, a lot of our problems in this life are really part of our progression. Right. It's how we progress. I mean, the one email that we got from, I'm, I'm going to restrain myself here, but <laughs> the one email we got was about, you know, it seems as though in Luke 7, you know, that, that experience where the woman comes and uh, puts ointment on the feet of, of the Savior, and because she has uh, sinned much and she loves the Savior much, and he asked such a great question. The, the whole plan was that we would experience challenge and difficulties but the Savior would cover it if we would just allow him to, if we would just turn our lives over to him, if we would just let go and let God and rely upon him and understand our nothingness, again, King Benjamin, then uh, we can, we can ex- experience the, the joy of relying upon a Savior and not upon the arm of the flesh. Right. I mean, that that's the whole plan, Scott. And I think when people really understand the fall and then come to a deeper understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ, while again, we will not never in this life be perfect or sinless, we can have such joy and peace and uh, mortality becomes um, not such a, a grit your teeth, yeah. endure to the end struggle. Right. Yep. I, I know endure to the end is part of the doctrine of Christ, but not in the way most people think of it. Well, and that's important. And I think that, uh, you know, before we get into the topic of why do we need a plan, you know, we've already talked about two different type, two different plans. And it may be kind of an overlapping experience here as we talk about the plan of salvation and the plan of redemption. But, you know, why is it, why is it different, well, Dave? Well, let's, let's just point out. Yeah. Uh, again, plan about 40, plan of God yep. is about 40 times, 30-something times in the Book of Mormon. Many times it's called, well, actually only a few. I think only two or three times it's called the plan of salvation. Yeah. Uh, once or twice it's called the plan of happiness or the great plan of happiness. A few times it's called the plan of mercy. A few times it's called the plan of God. And it's referred to by different uh, titles. But by far, the one that they use, the prophets of the Book of Mormon, is plan of redemption. I think it's 14 times. 14 times. 14 times in the Book of Mormon, they call it the plan of redemption. I think it's important to understand the difference between salvation and redemption. And, and it comes down to really understanding the different roles of a Savior. You know, Savior is related to being salvation. 
and a redeemer, you know, being the author of our redemption. Understanding this can help us better understand the role of Jesus Christ in our life. Not just in our life, but in in the world, for example. In fact, I think it's interesting, Scott, as we've discussed, you know, the scriptures refer, refer to more than once, a few times in the Bible, a few times in the Book of Mor- in the Doctrine and Covenants, actually, Savior of the world. Jesus is referred to often as Savior of the world, which means the author of the plan of salvation. Right. He's referred to in the Scriptures as the Redeemer of Israel. Redemption is a subset of salvation. Redemption is... is is more limited in in not in regards to number of people that it applies to. Redemption is familial. It's it's a it has a family aspect to it. The plan of, re, of redemption means that there's someone who has specifically purchased us, ransomed us, saved us from slavery. Salvation means de- deliverance in general. That we've been delivered from death and sin. Jacob talks about it. Uh, Lehi talks about it. That that through Christ, through only Jesus Christ, can we be saved? Which means that we are delivered from death through His resurrection, and we will be delivered from sin because of the judgment, resurrection, and going to a place of uh, of glory. So, if you talk about uh, the salvation, you know, Jesus Christ being our Savior, that's really uh, more closely related to the effects of the fall. He, he saves us from the, from, uh, now there's two, there's two major effects of the fall, and we'll get to that. Yeah. And so, you know, part of the, the Redeemer redeems us or saves us from another part of the fall. But when we think of the fall, we think of, you know, the fallen states that we're in. We think of our bodies broken. We think of even the earth has fallen, right? Uh, even uh, everything that's not perfect is a direct result. Everyone and everything. Right. Because of Jesus Christ will be, re- will be saved. Saved. From yeah. the fall, meaning now, delivered, rescued. Now you you, you kind of differentiated there when you said that to, to to for Jesus Christ to be our redeemer, there's a familial or a family um, kind of tie there. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So, the word uh, redeemer comes from the Hebrew goel. Right. Right. Uh, And so let me just read what that means. Uh, And I'm just taking this off of the Internet, but this is accurate. Um, This is the word goel, uh, literally meaning redeemer in the Hebrew Bible and the rabbinical tradition is a person who, as the nearest relative of someone, is charged with the duty of restoring that person's rights get this, you yeah. know, restoring that person's rights. Now, let's think of just a second here. What rights have we been endowed with? Right. And that's important for right. us to understand, right? Yeah. What rights have we been endowed Not with? Not only R-I-G-H-T-S. But R-I-T-E-S. Correct. Rights right. and privileges. Through ritual, exactly. Through ordinances. Rights and rituals. Through, through covenants. And that's, the, in, that's the, the rights that we are endowed with. Uh, so, um, with the duty of restoring that person's rights and avenging wrongs done to him by uh, done to him or her, 
Um, one duty of the goel was to redeem or purchase back a relative who had been sold into slavery. Think of the slavery that we sell ourselves into. Yeah. Right. right. I have a, I'm a perfect example of. Exactly. Uh, I'm not perfect at a lot of things, but I'm a perfect example of selling myself into slavery right. through alcoholism and addiction. Right. Right. Another was to avenge the death of a relative who had been wrongly killed. One carrying out this vengeance was known as the Goel Hadam, commonly translated to English as the Avenger of Blood. Yeah. So in, in redemption, Scott, there has to be a purchase made. There had to be a price paid. And redemption always is always talking about the suffering servant of that Isaiah talks about. Isaiah talks about several times in his book, The Suffering Servant, and he describes his suffering and the blood that he would spill for Israel. And he's, and he's referred to often in Isaiah, Redeemer of Israel, or Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Holy One of Israel is usually, I don't know, within a few words, you'll see the word Redeemer. So it's important, I think, to understand when we say, I believe Jesus Christ is my Savior, we're talking about more in the general. He is the Savior of the whole world. Again, that's that's in the Scriptures. He's the Savior of the whole world. He saved us from death through the resurrection, and He saved us from sin because we're going to go back into the presence of God. We're going to be judged, and we're going to go to a place where there is no more sin, where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ. There are a few exceptions of that to those who are who we refer to as the sons of perdition, but everyone will have some glory and there will be salvation. This is taught clearly, right, in Doctrine and Covenants section 76. All of God's children will be saved, whether they're in the celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom, or the celestial kingdom. We know about that. But redemption... That has to be through the blood of Jesus Christ. There had to be a purchase. There had to be a substitution made available because of our sins. He is the substitute of our sin. He took upon himself specifically our sins. He took upon himself specifically, Scott, our physical infirmities. This is why he's able to succor us. This is really Alma 7, right? 11 through 13. He, he suffered not only for our sins, but he suffered for our sicknesses, that he could succor us. Redemption was through his suffering. Well, you could say that salvation really came to us through his um, resurrection. That, In fact, let's read a few scriptures on this. Uh, in the general... Uh, all of us would have become devils if, had it, had if, it, if it were not for the plan yeah. of salvation. We would have all become devils or servants to the devil. It, Jacob teaches that in Second Nephi chapter nine, right? Yeah, Second Nephi chapter nine, verses eight and nine. Oh, the wisdom of God, His mercy and grace. For behold, if the flesh should rise no more, our spirits must become subject to that angel who fell from before the presence of the eternal God and became the devil to rise no more, and our spirits must have become like unto him, and we become devils, angels to the devil. And be shut out from the presence of our God, and to remain with the Father of lies in misery like unto himself, 
Yea, to that being who beguiled our first parents, who transformeth himself nigh unto an angel of light, and stirreth up the children of men unto secret combinations of murder and all manner of secret works of darkness. So if there was no resurrection, just based on the resurrection alone, Jacob is saying we would have all become sons of the devil. But because there was a resurrection, we are saved from the devil. Even the sons of perdition, Scott, will have power over Satan because they have a physical body. So even those who do go to outer darkness will have power over Satan. Cain, for example, perdition, he's called in the Pearl of Great Price. He will have power over Satan because he has a physical body of flesh and bone. So I I guess we could say in some way, even the sons of perdition have been saved from Satan because they'll have power over him, even in outer darkness, because they have bodies. There's something, there's something really sacred and powerful about having a physical body, which Satan and his followers from the war in heaven will never have. And therefore, because of the resurrection and us becoming immortal, we will always be saved from Satan. So that's also taught in in Alma 42, I think, Scott, right? Yeah, I've got, so Alma 42, uh, verse 11 says, And now remember, my son, if it were not for the plan of redemption, laying it aside, as soon as they were dead, their souls were miserable, miserable, being cut off from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to jump to 13, 2. Therefore, according to justice, the plan of redemption could not be brought about only on conditions of repentance of men in this probationary state, yea, this pre- preparatory state. So, you know, there, there, we, uh, there we see that, uh, you know, it, it, it's important that we have the, the plan of salvation and the plan of redemption, both of those kind of working together right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but redemption, again, means something different. Plan mm-hmm. of redemption mm-hmm. it means something different than the plan. I, I don't want to get really hung up on semantics. It's just, I, I just think it's important to understand the difference mostly in the titles of what we refer to our Savior and Redeemer as and, and what that, how they're different. When I think of Savior, I think of Savior of the world. And when I think of Redeemer, I think of Redeemer of Israel and the ordinances and the covenants that are associated with that. And, and I think of the atonement in both. Without the atonement of Jesus Christ, there wouldn't be no plan of salvation, and without the atonement of Jesus Christ, there would be no plan of redemption. They would not have been fulfilled. But they're not exactly the same thing. Well, and we're all part of the world, so we all get to participate in the plan of salvation. But we're not all part of Israel. Exactly. And and to become part of Israel, that's where taking upon the name of Jesus Christ becomes important. Exactly, Scott. And so what do I mean by take upon us the name of Jesus Christ? Every Sunday when we partake of the sacrament, that they may have his spirit to always be with them, that's a promise we get, but we promise that we will take upon us his name and continue to do that. Well, how do we do that? The first way we do that is we enter the waters of baptism. It's a covenantal relationship. Right. You know, once we enter into the Family. We become part of the family of Israel. We become family. That's right. And and this is really taught clearly in King Benjamin's address when he wants to give them a name. He calls them together and he says, I want to give you a name. 
and it's you know he calls him together because he's he's gonna die soon, and he he also wants to make one of his sons a king. But but really, he says in Mosiah chapter one, "I'm calling you together to give you a name," and then he concludes in in Mosiah chapter five with this verse. And now, because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he has spiritually begotten you. So Jesus becomes our father when we are spiritually born again. When we enter the waters of baptism, we make a covenant and we become the children of Christ. And he goes on to say, for your hearts are changed through faith on his name, Scott. Hmm. Your heart is changed through faith on his name. That's redemption. Right. And faith in Christ, faith in Christ, and there's lots of people who will have faith in Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ, and they will have salvation. But to have redemption, you have to know the difference between faith in Christ and faith in the name of Christ. Redemption is through faith in the name. Salvation will require faith in Christ. Well, and then only. It, and then if you conclude that verse, which is verse 7, again Mosiah chapter 5 verse 7 at the end, uh, changed through faith in his name. Therefore, in other words, because they have faith in his name and, and have entered into that covenant relationship, therefore, you're born of him and become his sons and his daughters. Actually, yeah. sons and daughters of Christ, uh, they the household of Israel. That's redemption, Scott. Right. And that's the plan of redemption, right. to become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. And then as we progress in the gospel, we go to the house of the Lord, we go to the temple, we not only become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, we become joint heirs with Christ. We take upon ourselves his name in a more, even more sacred way, and we become the heirs with Christ to the Father of all of the blessings of not only redemption, but exaltation. Right. And, and that comes also because of our family relationship that we enter into through our covenant process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, just one, more, one or two more verses from King Benjamin. Now it shall come to pass, this is verse 10. Now it shall come to pass that whosoever shall not take upon him the name of Christ... Whoever's not in the family, right, must be called by some other name. Therefore, he findeth himself on the left hand of God. Now, if he's on the left hand of God, he may go, he may go to the celestial kingdom or some other kingdom, and he'll have and he will have salvation, but he will not have redemption. And he will not have exaltation. Well, and when, we t and when we talk about the left hand and the right hand of God, who's always on the right hand of God? That's Jesus Christ. And, and if we're not going to be on the left hand, then presumably we'd be on the right hand, which makes us again. Well, and even on the Jesus right Christ. hand, of, even on the right hand of Christ. I mean, right. we're on the right hand of Christ if we have taken upon him, his, ourselves his name and uh, not only become his sons and daughters, but because become joint heirs with him. So I'm, uh, I'm, I think it's a blessing. I think it's important, Scott, that we understand the difference between the plan of salvation and the plan of redemption. 
I, I think it, it means something. And I think when we refer to Jesus as our Savior, that's not the exact thing, same thing as when we refer to him as our Redeemer. And he's both. And we should be equally grateful for both. But, but they're a little different. Yeah, they are. They are. And, and they're both, as you said, important. But to get the real full effects of Jesus Christ's atonement in our lives, we must see him as our Redeemer. And we must take upon us his name through that covenantal relationship so that we can do that. And, and all of this, Scott, is mostly the importance of it is just really about how can we have a, a closer relationship with, a, a um, covenant with, a binding to. Um, how, how can we be, draw closer to him? Right. That's what it's really all yeah, about. Right. Yep. Well, uh, you know, we've, we've covered a lot. Uh, we could talk about a lot more on this topic, and uh, we will as the weeks come and go. But uh, great discussion today. Thanks so much, David. Uh, what are your final thoughts? Well, I just, I just hope that um, you, me, your family, my family, all our listeners and their families uh, can, can become, through this course, uh, more connected to, to Jesus Christ and become uh, one with him. And when we become one with him, we become one with the Father. And ultimately, I know it's probably your favorite scripture, right? And this is life eternal, that they might know thee. Right. And how the true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And, and I hope that we can just all seek the face of, of Jesus and seek to have a, a more binding, connecting, sweeter relationship with him. Right. And as we strive to know him, we love him deeper, and the more we love him and know him, the more we become like him, and uh, that helix grows and grows as we go along. And as we do that, our lives just seem to be a little bit more, if not manageable, at least acceptable in the grand scheme of things. And we see how that all fits into our Heavenly Father's plan, our and, Heavenly Father's plan. And that's the key, really, ultimately. Jesus would say, Jesus, Jesus, the only reason he wants us to have a relationship with him is so that we'll have a relationship with his Father. Right. Right? He says, I haven't done anything good, uh, only my Father. There's only one that's uh, if good. You, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, everything he wanted to reflect off of himself to the Father. But the truth is, in order to know the Father... We have to come to know the Son. And knowing the Father and the Son, it, it, the key to all of that is receiving the Holy Ghost in our life and ultimately having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right. So we have to have a relationship with all three. I don't, I, I don't want to make the mistake of, of um, focusing more on one than the, than the others. But it's through the one that we get to the Father. Exactly. Yeah, and it's and it's through the other. That was the plan. The administration of the Holy. That Ghost, was the plan of redemption. That it all becomes available salvation. to us in our lives. So, hey, gang, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we look forward to being with you again next week. Again, don't hesitate to send your questions, your comments, etc. To he redeems us at gmail dot com. Uh, thanks for being with us. God bless you. May you always work to be redeemed and know that you are is our prayer. Look forward to being with you next week. Until then, have a great week.